Greetings. Welcome back to another Normal to Nomad podcast. Today, we talk about minimalism, and we answer the question, have you guys become maximalists now? Oh, boy. It's pretty riveting. Actually, this question was um, commented on our last podcast episode, so thank you for the suggestion on this topic. If ever any of you have any topic suggestions, leave them in the comments below. We are going to run through some of our favorite minimalist-oriented items, how to minimize, generally speaking, um, and a bunch of things around the minimalist ethos. So, should be cool. Welcome to the Normal to Nomad podcast, where we share stories, thoughts, ideas, and conversations on our journey to find balance with nature in a technologically advanced world. My name's Baron. And I'm Elsa. We've lived five years on the road in our 13-foot scamp trailer, exploring the backcountry of the West with our dog, Camp. Now, we dive into a new chapter as we build an off-grid home on our land in Colorado. So, are we maximalists? I don't think so. It's different now that we have land and we're far away from stores and everything because I I think the main thing that I stocked up on is tools you roll your eyes I didn't roll my eyes at all (laughs) you just you do you boy um that and then gear for adventurous things but we've always kind of had that the big kind of superfluous thing that we have right now is the rad power bikes they're awesome the kayaks and the backpacks all these things though we we work with a lot of outdoor gear brands, and now that we've had space, we've been able to have better, stronger partnerships with these brands. And hopefully we can use all of this outdoor gear for experiences that we'd like to host in the future. I mean, the backpacks, like the Kefaru stuff, we use very frequently. The kayaks, I would like to use more. But when we first got those, we used those nearly every day for months. Mm-hmm. They were awesome, and they're still but in great shape. We have more backpacks than just the Kefaru packs. We have yeah. all the packs that we had originally. Which all are, of our Osprey packs. Uh-huh, which are great packs. So we just have, we've got close to 10 backpacks. Which is stupid. We but they're all, they're all great, really great packs for different uses. And we kind of store all the gear. <laughs> this is, goes totally against minimalism. being a minimalist. Well, I mean, this is our maximalistness that yes. we're... we're we're admitting that we have a problem. We're backpack backpacks. collectors. But some people have been commenting just kind of sour comments about us being maximalists now, now that we have stuff. And it's a little hilarious because... Our house is still 10 feet long. Yeah, we're still living in our trailer, and now we have a teeny tiny, like, six-foot storage shed to hold our outdoor gear. And getting into hunting, I think I had to buy gear for that. Which, but it's not a crazy amount of stuff. The I, we could get rid of a couple of our osprey backpacks probably, but we also use them to store like all of our climbing gears in one of them, mm-hmm. all of our uh, kayaking gears in one of them. So that way we can just grab whatever pack we need for whatever activity, and then we can leave the stuff in said pack to store it. It is easy to collect gear, and yeah. of all the things that we have in excess i am excited that it is stuff to get us outside yeah yeah so (laughs) guilty as charged i guess but i don't know what other things do you think that we have that are superfluous or extra 
I don't want to hear it. Oh, I I wasn't even going to attack you. But now that you have the opportunity to speak here. I definitely have my crafting under control. Mm. How am I supposed to express myself if I can't have... Under control is how I would describe your crafting for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not blaming you. It's just that it's overwhelming sometimes. Now that your blanket's done, our blanket is done. Our family's blanket. <laughs> it's a lot more manageable. That thing was about to drive me nuts, though. Yarn is not an ideal craft because it's so bulky. Yeah. But look at it now. Yeah, it's beautiful. I got into beadwork specifically because it was so tiny. Yeah. Your and beadwork was awesome. Yeah. And then leather work, that tied into wanting to get into yeah. what? I'm just what? Playing. I'm just playing. I, I want to be able to tan our own hides and everything deer hides so to be able to use that leather and know how to use it i got into leather crafting for a bit now i'm getting into metal smithing and i have taken great time to organize this wall over here maybe i'll put a shot on the youtube video it's beautiful it's awesome it's (laughs) (laughs) it's casey neistat aesthetic i i don't know i as a crafter, a crafty, creative person, it's hard. It have I know all of you have seen craft people's rooms and desks and stuff. Their room just looks like a scrapbook. Yes, and I am one of those people, but I have done it in a very minimalist fashion, and yeah. I don't know how to... You want me to be less of myself? Oh, please. Because that's kind of how it feels. Well, if less of yourself means just occasionally cleaning up after yourself, then maybe, I guess. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about something No, it's it's not bad. I'm I'm in full support of your... We just, like, I said it when we were building this office that this is what was going to happen. It was going to become a crafting office. Duh. So we should have just factored in that we need to build two offices. Baron, I told you that. I know, I told you. Yeah, but this was like kind of a thing to build. So for this to just be... I said we should have gotten two of these containers. Yeah. Then we could both have our own space. You were right. I was just optimistic, I guess. <laughs> so moving on. What was what were we even talking about? Just Oh, the things that we might have too much of. <laughs> <laughs> the things that I might have too much of. Saws. Saws, please. Yeah, maybe. No, you could make that argument, but I've used all of them and we'll continue to use all of them as we go forward. Screws. We have so many screws. We really don't. We uh, we use them, or we, I use them all the time. I bought more screws because I found myself needing screws of various lengths, very, um, like often. So I figured might as well just buy them so I don't have to drive an hour to the hardware store every time. Shoes. Some of us could put shoes, some of our shoes away for sure. No, Baron, you have too many shoes. No, I don't. What shoes do I have too many of? I don't know. Which, which pair of my shoes are extra? Tennis shoes. Which ones? Got a few pairs of tennis shoes. I have two. I have okay. a pair of running shoes. And this is important to go through. This is what this is what it looks like to minimize as a couple, right? So I have my running shoes and my <laughs> mountain biking shoes. 
that I also use for all kinds of other things. Okay, I take it back. I don't want to talk about your shoes. Okay. There's too many of them. Great points. I do kind of want to talk about your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, so are we maximalists? Well, some may say yes, but I think still no compared to typical humans, right? I mean, of course. Yeah. There are certain things that we could trim down, but they're also very useful, so it's hard to... I don't know. I don't feel like we're in a state of excess when all of our things are like put away nicely, for sure. We do have a lot of must-haves. And it's it was kind of hard to think of our must-haves. That was part of this gal's question, was what are our must-have essential items? But everything that we have in the scamp when we were still traveling especially, we've gained a lot more tools and a lot more craft supplies, each of us, um, since living on our land. But really everything that we had with us in the scamp was essential and still is essential, everything inside the scamp. Things like, I think most important to us would be our laptops and tech devices because that is our work. That's our office in a backpack and high-quality backpacks to be able to hold and sort hard drives, headphones, microphones. Let's talk quick about those specific items as we go through, like your backpack and your laptop. You want to? What do you want me to expand on more of? Just what laptop you have and why, like, why do you have a laptop over an iPad since you are an artist and you draw and everything why would you choose if you had to choose between the two would you have a tablet or a um, laptop I would say my laptop because my art is video editing I did try to start doing a bunch of I was doing graphic design work on my iPad when we first started in this camp because it was too we didn't have enough solar power to charge my laptop but charging the iPads was nope it's like charging a big phone so that was really useful. And then we kind of almost started to edit videos on the iPad, but it's just a lot more efficient on the laptop. And then we get... Efficient time-wise. Yes. But part of the yes. reason that we were trying to lean on our iPads more was for solar because they're so efficient energy usage-wise. And I think there are people online that do everything on their iPad, like YouTubers and stuff, that have kind of made a... They've made that their thing. And I think it's really cool. And we could do that. I just feel like since we are so tech focused, it's a lot, our productivity is a lot faster on the Macs and there are less like hurdles to jump over. Why do you have a Mac over a PC? I edited on a PC uh, for a long time when we were living in a house, but I think Apple is just so intuitive, even editing Premiere on an Apple feels much better than editing in Premiere on a PC. It's just smooth. It The ecosystem of Apple between phones, iPads, the laptops, AirPods, the watches, everything, it's so seamless. It's so intuitive. It just feels really natural and flowy. And people who who don't understand the benefit of Apple, I think have not really used Apple. And I think that's fair because Android users and PC users, it's, there are so many benefits to those over Apple. But in terms of creativity and just kind of having more of a creative right brain and doing more artistic stuff, 
it all just really flows nicely on Apple. Even from a business perspective, once I got a Mac, my abilities scaled like crazy. There were just a lot of things that I could do a lot quicker on my Mac that were more difficult on my PCs. They And they last forever too. The finger movements on the touchpad, I don't know, I haven't used a PC laptop in a long time, but everything just, it's so smooth. The gestures. There, and... There's not a bunch of movements and clicks. It doesn't feel so mechanical like a PC. Yeah. So that's why... And I there's a lot of software awesome. that we use that's exclusively available on Macs. But I had I built my own PCs for like what? Yeah. Over 10, 15 years. And that's what I was editing on was yeah. one of your computers. And if you need more power, like rather than buying, let's say, if you're like rendering crazy 3D stuff or whatever and you need a lot of processing power, um, financially it might make more sense to build yourself a PC. Because you were gaming, Yeah, and for a gaming rig, then I could up, well, and Apple's, they're trying to get into the gaming world, but uh, with a PC, I could buy my motherboard and everything, and then over time, if I needed a new graphics card or whatever, more RAM, I could just buy that and stick it in, so I didn't have to replace the whole unit, which was really nice. And then Connor and I would kind of like... And my friends, if one of us got a new memory card or, or not memory card, but graphics card, we could swap things. What are you doing? I was looking at our backpacks to th- see if I could think of anything else. Our backpacks themselves are really great. It would be fun to do a video of like what we keep in our backpacks. You have wanted to do that for so long. Yeah, just because I love those videos when other people do them because it gives me ideas and inspiration. Mm-hmm. Same with our car. I would love to do like tools and things that we keep in our car because I've put a lot of thought into it. Mm-hmm. How you organize. Yeah, because I watch a lot of like everyday carry style videos and stuff to uh, like optimize the things that we have because that's part of the minimalist ethos for us is having quality over quantity. So if I can have one tool to replace multiple and pay a little bit more for that one tool, then we will. Like there's a pair of adjustable locking pliers that I can replace a number of crescent wrenches and stuff with, and those have been really nice to have. You have a Thule backpack. I do. It's a, I think it's a Thule Paramount 25, and I've had it for almost probably pushing 10 years now. Maybe like six. No, you always do this, and then I look <laughs> back at photos, of, and I've had the thing for like forever. You got it a few. You got it a few years after we started dating when you were working downtown. So that could have been yeah, maybe eight, nine. Yeah, um, which is like pushing 10. We're coming up on a decade or nine years, babe. But I'm super impressed with that backpack. All of the Thule stuff I've ever had, or Tula or Tool or Thule, whatever, um, the Swedish company, everything I've ever had that's what? My backpack is also Swedish. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But everything I've ever had that's made by them has lasted forever, and they generally have a really good warranty too. But, yeah, I've used that backpack every day very heavily, mm-hmm. and it's still holding together really well. Mm-hmm. Customizable with the how you can stuff it full of clothes in the top yeah, or roll, roll the top, top down. So I can, I can roll the top down and strap it down, and then uh, it keeps it super streamlined. And then if we're going on vacation or whatever, and I need for a few days and I just need some clothes, I'll just unroll the top and stuff some clothes in there and then I'm good to go. And that's excellent. 
an excellent kind of minimalist principle is to have things that can be utilized for more than one purpose. Mm -hmm. And that backpack you have used quite a lot for all different kinds of things. Yeah, anytime we travel, I'm, I always bring it. I have a Fjall Raven backpack, not the Konkin, the square ones, but one that's uh, one of their laptop backpacks that I got on sale. And I love it. I love having a bunch of pockets because then you can, everything that you have has a home and then I don't lose stuff. So, well, at least I do. I still, but having everything have a home is really helpful. Helps me lose stuff less. Yeah, and what, I, what I'll do too is if... Like in the main compartment of my backpack that doesn't have a lot of organizer pockets, I'll get organizer pockets and put them into my backpack. Like that. Like this guy. It's like a, um, I can't remember what it's called, but it's a little organizer guy with that I keep my journal and a spare fork and <laughs> adapters and some duct tape and just general odds and ends that That's by I find too. myself needing. Yeah. But... That, and then I have little bags in my backpack, too, to keep things organized. Let's see. What other essentials? Uh, so I have a Mac as well, and like you said, all the same reasons I love my Mac, and I, I can't imagine ever switching back. But one of the things I like most about the – I've had two Macs, and the one that I had before this I got in 2012, and I just replaced it, like, last year. So I had it for uh, like eight, nine years, something like that, and used it every day, and I just had to replace the battery once, and then I gave it to my brother, and he and his girlfriend still use it. So uh, I just love the longevity of Mac's laptops. I think they're awesome. But I wouldn't buy, it's just like buying cars or whatever, I wouldn't buy the first generation of a new model. So if they do like a big facelift and change a bunch of things, I would wait at least a half a year or something for them to work out the kinks in that new model because a lot of times they do have problems as soon as they come out of the factory brand new. So obviously laptops are very essential to us. Yeah, and I think phones too because we use those for everything, everything from a personal hotspot to cameras. A lot of our videos are shot on the phones whenever we just need a quick shot or even more thorough like this is being shot on an iPhone right now. I feel like these... The tech ones, like computer and laptop, are so obvious that they're kind of boring to talk about because most people have laptops and iPads that I feel like it's essential to most people, but maybe it's maybe they're not. I think a lot of people kind of poo-poo technology and think that technology is just all bad. But the, since it is so useful, I think it's like flippant not to make use of all the things that technology can do, you know? I think so. That's technology is the reason that we are able to do any of this. Are you going somewhere? No, I was gonna. My pants are the next <laughs> essential. These Shaw Raven pants. Both of us have like three, three pairs a piece. Yeah, collected over the last number of years. And will we talk about our clothing pieces later? Well, let's talk about like clothing generally speaking later, so we can just like leave it at that. Mm -hmm. Our Shaw Raven pants are awesome. They have tons of pockets. Warranty's excellent. Um, Berkey water filters are really, really huge. It's kind of a one and done thing. They're pretty expensive, but they, the filters last like five years and having clean drinking water is really important to us. And it helped us to be able to be out in the sticks for longer mm -hmm. because if we parked 
I mean, not even near a creek necessarily. We would drive several miles to a creek sometimes and fill up all of our jugs. And then we can just pour them into the fil water filter as we go. So that was really nice. Rather than having to like filter all the water at the creek, that would be kind of difficult. So we can just bring it home dirty and then pour it into the Berkey and use it. I would say my most used thing every day, I mean, I do use the Berkey every day, but my number one most used essential thing that I have is my teeny little Swiss Army knife on my keys that I've had since I was probably 10. It was a gift, and I didn't use it that whole time. Just when we moved into the scamp, you're always kind of needing a little pair of scissors to cut little things or the nail thing cleaner in there. Of course, I'm trying to keep my nails as clean as I can out here. Those, they're just... Mostly to have a teeny little knife and a teeny little pair of scissors on you at all times is so handy. The toothpick and tweezers are super close. Oh, that too. yes, true. And I bought on Amazon, they had, a, you could buy like a 10 or 20 pack of toothpicks and tweezers. And I went ahead and did that because it always drives Thank me goodness. nuts whenever I lose Because we didn't have them for so long that I forgot that that's even part of the Swiss Army knife. Yeah, so now if we ever lose them, we can just swap them out. But yeah, we both have one of those on our keys. I think that's essential for sure. Headlamps are something that we in our nomadic scamp lifestyle use daily as well. If you're trying to be a minimalist in the city, I I hadn't really used headlamps except for camping before I this. always did for fixing things or working mm. in the garage or even going outside or walking the dog at night. I never had before I met you. I'd never used a headlamp. I remember the our first camping trip, I just thought I looked like such a goon ball with a headlamp on. But now they are a daily thing for us. Yeah. Now, though, too, a lot of people in their everyday everyday carry will carry a little flashlight, like a high-powered little flashlight in their pocket and a fixed blade or um, folding knife. And I feel like I get more use. I used to carry a folding knife. Um in my pocket, like a Benchmade, I still have it. I used to carry that every day. But I found that that little Swiss Army knife on my keys is more useful, generally speaking, than the knife is. So I carry that instead. And then, what was I just saying? The Oh, the little flashlight. Now, I find that I just use my phone's flashlight. Mm -hmm. Or my watch has, a, like doable flashlight if I just need to go pee or whatever. That is the smartest thing ever. You remember back in the day when, I don't know, at night you had to go run through your junk drawer to try to find a flashlight to go do something, but now everybody carries a flashlight with them everywhere. Yeah. It's so handy. And then, yeah, so to augment that, having a headlamp is really nice. Insulated mugs. Mugs, canteens, those are something that we use daily. It's just so nice to have an insulated mug for teas, especially in the winter. But if you're going on camping trips, we have had the same clean canteen, which is like a... do the, Clean canteens aren't really sold as much as hydro flasks, right? I don't know. It seems like hydro flasks kind of replace them almost. Mm -hmm. But same, same. We have had the same one for years and years and years. That was you working at that gear shop. At Backwoods, yeah. We all had them. I remember the first time you discovered how nice it was. We were at Horseshoe Canyon Ranch in Arkansas. I just gained so much life experience by meeting you. All these oh, things that I never knew about. But like headlamps and insulated water bottles. Yeah, we were out camping um, on a climbing trip, and we'd poured hot chocolate into this mug, and 
any other regular mug. It would be cold chocolate by at that time, hours later, but it was still warm. Steaming hot. It wasn't hot, hot. It was perfect. Warm, like chuggable temperature, it, hours later, and it blew my mind. And now everybody, like now it's so common. I don't know where I was. Like what, who was I? <laughs> Not having any idea what that was. Water bottles are kind of in that same vein. It's... It's so funny how in high school I just never, ever carried a water bottle. I have the smaller Nalgene that has the uh, narrow mouth on it because I think it's easier to drink out of. And I like having a little one because then I can put it in a pocket, like my jacket pockets and stuff. It fits in drink holders. And, and you like the, the narrow mouth? Yeah. We also have the classic Nalgene's. These are so handy to fill with multiple or with, uh, we throw a big one of these like most people, into a backpack and have this as our spare water. We try to keep at least one in the car too, especially during the winter, just a full water bottle in case of mm-hmm. we get stuck or whatever. It's just a nice lightweight water vessel. Yeah, and they're super durable. Puffy jackets. I think that's like honestly higher on my list. It's another thing that I didn't ever have until you. I didn't, I waited a long time to have a puffy because I thought they were goofy looking. But once I had one, I, I'd never take them off in the winter, especially in Kansas City. I wore it all the time. But in Kansas City, it's, I realized later after leaving Kansas City that I and a lot of my peers, you dressed more for style than for function because you spend, there's not, in the city, there's not much to do outside, especially in the winter. You're just kind of, dressing to look cute to walk from your car to your office kind of thing do you agree yeah so it's very stylish for that so technical gear wasn't something that was really in my sphere because you you're not using it very much in yeah. Kansas City although Maybe it's, it's shifted, like but... colder there than it is here almost so it would have made a lot more sense to wear that more technical gear because then it sucked to be outside we came out to Colorado and we started getting high quality, slowly higher quality pieces of gear from thrift stores and stuff. And it just improved my winter experience tenfold by having a puffy jacket and nice pants to be able to spend more time outside. If you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about puffies. The ones that we use are down. Um, They're down filled. And I had my last one for how long Elsa, Elsa knows. 10 years? <laughs> probably Ish. nine. Probably nine, maybe eight. But I patched it up with duct tape and um, Gear Gear Aid, I think it's Gear Aid, makes patches and a sort of fabric. It's almost like athletic tape but more durable f- to repair jackets and stuff. And that's something I always keep. I just bought some new Gore-Tex patches and um, just simple Gear Aid patches. But to keep your puffy alive, those are really nice to have. But, um, yeah, I had mine and repaired it over and over again for pushing 10 years, and I accidentally left it at a restaurant and it got stolen. So I got a new one. I don't know why anybody would steal it at that point. It's lost so much of its down. Yeah. It, it, you were just keeping it really because for it was sentimental. so sentimental. Yeah, and, like, it still had life for me, but I can't imagine somebody else wearing that and being like, this is cool because it was so gnarly. Merino wool is another huge element to 
minimalism. I think it's a great, great fabric that helps you eliminate a lot of other fabrics in your wardrobe. One merino t-shirt can replace however many cotton t-shirts that you want it to replace. That's kind of the same thing with a puffy too, is it's, you have one ultra warm jacket rather than having a bunch of kind of crappy stylish jackets. For sure. Quantity. So it may sound like, yeah, it might sound like we're trying to make you guys buy a bunch of stuff, but that's not at all our angle. It's just figuring out the, the quality things, like you said, that make sense so that you don't have to have a bunch of things. What kind of things did you think that we needed that we ended up not needing? There were certain things when we first moved into the scamp, like our sink. I thought that was going to be pretty important. Running water, I quickly learned. I quick, I had surrendered to the idea of not having running water, and that was pretty easy. But it did still seem like we were going to want to have a sink so that water could at least be channeled somewhere. And we only really used that to brush our teeth in. And then it became just a pain to keep it clean. Mm-hmm. So we used it as storage for a while and then got rid of it. That was the first thing that came to my mind, too, was, was running water and sink. Oh. Yeah. But uh, what else? I thought a shower would be more necessary than it mm-hmm. has been. But we can just shower off in creeks and stuff. and um, Or use a water bottle. It's so easy, too, to just fill a bowl of water and get yourself a little wet soap up then rinse yourself off it makes a huge difference or Camping like trips or... reed he uses gallon jugs mm-hmm. and just pours warms them up and pours one if i were a guy or a guy with short hair i should say or if i was a person with short hair i think it would be a lot easier to do things like that yeah but when you have to wash your long hair it takes a lot more water the msr dromedary bladders are also really useful as a shower i love that thing so i can just hang it up at, in a tree and and it has uh, cordage around it so i can hang it up so that it sort of faces the spout down and uh it it's like a good amount of drip to where i can get myself wet lather up and then plug it and then rinse off and i get it's super efficient because it hardly uses any water so, yeah, but I thought a shower would be more essential than it ended up being a toilet, too. But if you're in an area where, um, like, if you're in a more popular area, generally, like, lots and lots of times they have vault toilets. And we've camped in plenty of areas where there was a vault toilet that we would ride our mountain bikes to mm-hmm. whenever we needed to use it. Yeah, that happened all the time. Yeah. There were always toilets around or when we were in neater more more kind of uh or what word am i thinking just more popular areas and then as we got to more and more remote areas the then you could dig cat holes but whenever we dig cat holes we have a really good shovel it's a hori hori design it's like a japanese trowel and i think that's important to be able to really be able to dig because a lot of times when you got to poop you're digging pretty fast and I've seen people get pretty lazy so to have a shovel that can actually move some dirt is important and then also whenever we do that we um, burn our teepee in the hole if we can't take it out pack it out with us bring a lighter yeah I have a whole kit a whole thing and system for cat holes including the butt spray Mm -hmm. that you spray on your teepee to give yourself basically a a baby wipe a without having a baby wipe. Bidet in a bottle is what, yes, it was named. Um, but, yeah, we don't talk about that too much because I think there is a lot that goes into digging a proper cat hole. 
doing it in a proper way in a proper area. So, a lot of people just do it so poorly that we don't want to encourage it at all. Yes. it w- It's arguable to say that maybe we should so that we can tell people how to do it well. But yeah, bringing attention to it, I think. There's just so much nuance that mm-hmm. it, it's hard to cover all the all of the potential pitfalls because then you leave something out and it's like you didn't say to be however many feet from water and it's like well just be really far from water just like walk far away from it you know there's lots of i don't know but a lot of people just grab a hole and flip it and poop under it and i think that's problematic <laughs> grab a rock you mean yeah or yeah grab yeah. a hole grab <laughs> a rock so back to minimalism how would you say that somebody might start like we're talking us back in the city how would we how did we start eliminating our things and would you say did you have a lot of things uh i don't think i did i've never really been like i've never really collected a bunch of crap and you were young enough to not have bought much furniture yeah you had a bunch of money in computer stuff yeah but you didn't have decorations a bed yeah no we moved into our first house and um it was a family friend owned house and did we have, did she leave some furniture or did we get thrifted furniture? Where did we get that red couch? Remember that? Was it the red chair? Oh, we had a red chair. We had like a leather couch that we got somewhere. Yeah. I don't recall. Oh, my parents gave it to us, I think. And our bed that we had. I guess I don't recall. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think that's everybody's like first step in moving into your college apartment or whatever is buying thrifted furniture. Mm. What did we do with that when we moved? I think we gave it away. I'm sure donated. Connor took some of it and then we probably donated some of it. But that's so we had a question on here asking, like, was that process difficult, like minimizing and getting rid of things? What What do you think? No, because we did it over a lot of years. Like every time we moved, we would get rid of more stuff. Some people are, they, I, I think they come up with the idea to get rid of stuff and become more minimal. And then they sort through all their stuff in that instant, doing like a pile thing. Marie Kondo has a bunch of advice on how to get rid of stuff. But we were, we had the idea to live minimally or and live in a tiny space for several years before we did it. So every time we would move, like we moved from that house into a one bedroom space in everything that we owned, we moved into one bedroom. Um, and then from there, we moved into the scamp. And I think we were at our parents for a little bit in between sometimes, but we knew what we were working toward. So every time we would make a big move like that, we would get rid of more and more stuff. And we would get, we got more strategic in the things that we bought too. For sure. And I think that's a big mental shift is not buying like crap, like junky, whatever, just to fill up a space or decorations and all that stuff, knowing that you're trying to. Yeah, you have cut to stop bringing things. stuff in. If you want to have less stuff in your life you got to stop bringing stuff in decoration seems to be a really easy way to to even like little cute storage containers as i walk through walmart and stuff i if i had a target i'm sure target would be very tempting but you just i don't know you think that will help assist you in your life but what i try to think of is 
first I have it easy because we can't fit anything in the scamp. So it's just like, well, that won't fit. So nope. But if I did have a space, um, realizing and understanding that I am then responsible for that item, I will have to see it through its life. So do I want that? Do I want to have that forever? Do I want to figure out um, donate, donating it or do I, I don't know, I, you just have to kind of take responsibility for the things that you're bringing in. And we would say that the first thing we did when getting rid of stuff was give to other people that we know. Even things that are expensive or like really nice, it's nice to think about which friend might be able to make the best use of that thing and then give it to that friend. Because then it doesn't fully leave your life. Yeah. If you see them wearing a really nice shirt of yours that you've loved for so long but don't wear anymore, it kind of brings new life to that item. Plants, when we go over to friends' houses in Kansas City, we'll see some of our old plants, and that is really a nice thing. And then once you give away a lot of things, because it's hard, you can, well, I guess it depends. Like, either give away or sell first. But I've always struggled with selling things like that, like listing things on Craigslist and or selling old paintball guns back in the day and stuff. I just, like, am not good at, like, haggling and getting that all set up and just the whole thing just it's not something that I'm good at I have friends that were excellent at that but I've just never been a good I guess thrifter when you're selling things or whatever but selling things and giving things away is step one step two is donating them right so if you can donate things to a goodwill or different uh, shelters things like that do that and then lastly, and try to not, but throw things away. Yeah, they're... I think that's hard with all the kind of dollar store little stuff that isn't valuable to other people. What do you do? Well, it just kind of sucks. Like, I think part of it is for an amount, uh, like for uh, a time, at least don't be accumulating those things. Because I feel like we didn't have a lot of crap that's just that we just threw away that I can think of. I feel like we would only throw things away if it was broken or couldn't serve a purpose anywhere or like a donation place wouldn't accept it. Yeah. Like dishes that had giant chips taken out of them or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think that getting rid of things was especially difficult. I honestly enjoy it because I just clutter drives me nuts. So to be able to get rid of things that we don't need or give them away and then be able to save up and have the one thing that I really need is, I, I prefer that. I kind of struggle with that whole thing that if I get rid of it, that I'm going to need it after I've gotten rid of it. Yeah, because you were in a depression in your past life. So yeah. that's something that we... Well, I think that's a common way of looking at stuff is you kind of have a tendency to collect and hoard because you want to know that you almost like a I don't know just prepping preparing yeah. for emergency I think I have really noticed that I do that and I've worked on it quite a bit um but that's hard to get over yeah it is because then it, if I don't have it and I need it it would just it would be easy enough to just go find it again go buy it again or something or buy a used one or whatever yeah it happens so infrequently that you've got this one completely random object that you might need next year I, that was me with tools for a while in the scamp it was like well if 
But then what I realized, especially with traveling and being in the scamp, is a lot of the tools that I kept for just-in-case scenarios, if they weren't something that would, like, save our life or keep us on the road or keep things from, like, if something broke that I could fix it, like, if they weren't ultra-pertinent, time-sensitive things to have, I realized that while we're on the road, if I end up needing that tool, then I can go purchase whichever one makes the most sense rather than trying to keep all of the tools on us that like preemptively, I think it's almost better to, yeah, keep the essentials so that you can keep yourself moving or save your life, whatever. But the things that are kind of, uh, you're kind of talking yourself into or out of keeping as far as tools go, if you do end up needing them, you can scoop them up while you're on the road. For sure. And I feel like you, you learned more about all of these tools as we were living this way. Yeah. Kind of putting them to practice and then realizing that, oh, that this isn't actually as important as I thought. Or this, like, I could use all the time. Uh-huh. So that was definitely, I would say, trial and error, mm-hmm. too. The, the one thing that really is, seems to be, when we talk to people, the hardest is sentimental items. Hmm. And we didn't have, I didn't have any family heirlooms or really jewelry or treasures or nice art passed down to me i have a piano waiting for me at my parents house but that's that's really about it we didn't have much sentimental stuff i I feel like i'm not a super sentimental sentimental person as far as things go like i'm sentimental with the relationships i had with my grandparents and stuff but it's not like i have a trinket to represent that necessarily. I could have, I guess, like when they passed, I could have taken one of their things or whatever, but I have lots of memories and photos to remember them by. So I don't feel like I necessarily need those things. I have a knife sharpener that was my grandpa's, but beyond that, I don't have a lot of those things. And I, so I didn't really have to grapple with that. But when people do have to grapple with that, I think it's important to remember that the sentimental thing isn't the point of it. It's the sent like the sentiment lives in the memory that that um, sentimental thing sort of elicits in your mind. So you can still have those memories and still get like reach back to those people or those times without the thing if you just have photos or whatever, right? For sure. But I understand how that could be really difficult. I had a bunch of really fun soccer t-shirts at one time and I laid them out and took pictures of them one by one because I never wore them. And I don't know where those pictures are now and I don't know where those t-shirts are, but it helped me get rid of them knowing that I had, I could look at them and remember them that way. Everybody takes pictures now. And we're going to talk about minimizing technology too, because I, we were kind of talking before this that Marie Kondo in her methods, she has a category for paper. And I always found that a little confusing because I don't have phone books and bills and I don't have much paper, but we have so much technology that can really clutter us up. But kind of some of the major topics that we wanted to break down and talk about our favorites in each are um, technology, clothing, books, and tools. Should we start with clothing? Sure. I mean, whatever. I don't care. I don't think either. I don't think any of them are like more important than others necessarily. I think technology will be kind of the most interesting. So let's save that for last. For us to talk about. I don't know if other people care. (laughs) Yeah. So clothing. Clothing, as we said, merino wool is big. Why? Big, big. 
We always, I think we kind of gloss over that and a lot of people don't understand it. It's antimicrobial. So the wool fibers don't absorb um, and cling to bacteria in the same way that other materials do. So that doesn't then turn into stink. Not at least as easily. Um, It's a natural fiber and just you can wear it for several days in a row without it getting stinky. Yeah, even on backpacking trips or whatever, if you wear the merino thing and it does get gnarly, you can just hang it up outside in the sun or in the wind and then it generally will lose that sort of funk. You know what you got to look out for though is deodorant. Um, well, companies like antiperspirant deodorant would always jack mine up back in the day when really? I wore that. Yeah. Companies that are advertising clothes as merino then the merino only being about 5% of that item and like nylon and other plastic fibers being the rest of it. There is definitely for the elasticity, it needs to have some elastic and other types of blends in the merino. But look out for that when you're choosing merino wool clothing. Because I think that a lot of people get duped thinking that they've got a a wool item when it's really just Like 5% wool. Yeah. The, what brands do you have you found to be? Smart Wool, Icebreaker. I think Icebreaker over Smart Wool. Some really? of my Smart Wool stuff has really fallen apart quick. Yeah. Maybe it's because it's got more wool. I don't know. I have a bunch of, like, I bought some thrifted Smart Wool that I still have. My Icebreaker Merino tea has held up for almost 10 years. <laughs> Probably eight, though. <laughs> Probably eight. <laughs> it's got a big hole in the back, but... That that also that's what happens with merino is it's really delicate and we have to dry our clothes especially in the winter we have to at the laundromat we have to put it in the dryer because it will all just freeze and never dry. We put it on low though. Yeah, and we but, try to not put like zippers and everything in with the. But we do. Stuff. We yeah. definitely do. We we are not very not. good with our laundry because we can't be. Yeah, but if you can not dry your stuff and just hang, hang dry it, it, that's the best. Definitely. And you just got some merino for the first time from Fjall. Yeah, and I'm impressed with it. I'm wearing that right now, and it is really nice. They have other wool. Why why do we wear so much Fjallraven stuff now? It's one of the most... Okay, so just clothing in general, we learned quickly that we cannot have our cute little H&M shirts and pants and things like that because it just falls apart. You can't have crappy clothes with you that stink and fall apart because you only have so much room so we quickly learned to buy more gear clothing out at these thrift stores in colorado we bought a lot of patagonia some prana and then as we were outdoor research mountain hardware i'm probably forgetting a ton of oriented brands but we as we were just entering that kind of arena fjall raven was a big one that always came up a lot of bushcrafters and guys who spend a ton of time outside doing really crazy things um just like trudging through the woods wore this brand it's a swedish brand we saw their pants first mhm and their little konkin backpacks but and it's expensive stuff like you definitely pay for it but it's built so well and they have a lifetime warranty where you can take it, your gear into their store. And most of their stores have a, what you, a seamstress or sewer. I don't know what to call them. But they have somebody to fix your gear on the spot so they can repair your gear for you. It's also one of the most um, sustainable companies out there. 
especially for its size. We bought a lot from Patagonia because they had really good principles um, for a long time. They're huge now, and I think it's kind of different. But I think they still do their best, and they have a worn wear program where you can buy used clothes that they fixed and or like that they didn't need to fix. I wish that Fjall even had that. For sure. Their Patagonia's worn wear. You can look them up. Their worn wear site. It's like if somebody had a jacket that was lightly used and like they sold it back or gave it back to Patagonia, then they can list it. And it's so nice. You can get like really great deals on lots of gear. It's really cool because then you can make money off of your old gear too. Mm-hmm. Um, Fjall, Raven, you can, I think most of their wool is traceable. You can see what farm it started on. Um, you can see where things were created and they just try to source as well as they can. We just went to an event with them and they explained all this. And I asked, because some of you guys were asking, why are their clothes ethical yet still made in Vietnam? Um, or China. Yeah, other Asian countries. And they answered that by saying that if they were to go and take all of these materials and processes and um, people and move that to Sweden, it would be a lot more expensive. And also they don't have the establishments set up for that in Sweden. This kind of work is just done in Asian countries. But they said that what they do do is they focus on from like people who are working in their American stores to people who are creating their clothes. They have the same kind of um, ethics and guidelines that they all follow. Um, So from top to bottom, sourcing to creating to selling to sellers in their stores, they do their best to treat the people right. And I would even argue that they do their best to treat the animals right. Mm -hmm. Like for their down stuff, they said that they only use um, geese who were not stressed because that impacts the quality of their down. Um, They use wool from animals, like materials from animals that were going to... Like good farms and Uh everything is sourced like as ethically as possible. And it's like you could make like synthetic downs replacements are becoming a thing now because they're cruelty free or whatever. You don't have to kill an animal for those. But nature in a lot of ways, I would argue almost every of the ways makes like does things more efficiently and better than we can replicate a lot of times. Well, and then you also have to consider that with synthetic replacements, you are then creating basically plastic clothing that's non uh not biodegradable not renewable it's like oil-based right and so uh, there's always a balance but if you could have a a wool sweater that's sourced as well as it can be and made to last with a company who will then like fix it on the spot if it does get a tear in it or something i would say that that will go a lot further for you than a cheaply made piece of clothing that like you have. Like polypropylene piece. Yeah, it's that like you have vegan, to buy over and over again. But it's made out of dead dinosaurs. It's like, there's lots of nuance to this conversation. I think a lot of yeah. that is lost because a lot of the sort of green marketing is marketing. So it's easy to make a case for like whichever side you're arguing for, I can make just about as good of a case for whatever, except when it comes to like, I don't know, really cheaply made stuff that'll just fall apart and then be trash quickly. Yeah, because there are cases where you would say, I would buy synthetic over something else because it would last me a lot longer. Like Like, the Melanzana hoodies. 
mm-hmm. or rain jackets. But even with rain jackets, you can do like a canvas, wax canvas. But our Melanzana hoodies, I think, are one. I think that's one of the most useful items that we have as far as clothing goes. It's a company in Leadville makes them, um, and they're called Melanzana. I mean, they're already there, yeah, so we might popular. as well talk about it. It's something you can't, with COVID, you can't uh, go buy one at the store. You have to make an appointment. Which uh, I don't know if sucks. that's still a thing, but it was uh, for a long time. As of last week on their site, they made it very clear that it's appointment only. Okay. But when we were, it was so, it was kind of crazy because we were in Oregon and they sent out this blast, email blast saying that they were doing online ordering. And it was so nice because we were in Oregon and we got new Mellies. But they normally just sell them through their store mm-hmm. and they have all of their people making everything in their store which is really cool. You can sit there and watch. They have a bunch of sewing machines set up. And, uh, yeah, their stuff is just awesome. I think it's one of the best mid-layers that I've found. Nice little hoodie, like, hood on it. Nice pocket. What about books? Are you cool on clothing? I can't really think of much else. Just anything really Fjallraven is epic. And it's not... It I, is we're not ex- saying it's so that. expensive though. Yeah, and we're not saying that because now we're we're trying to f- establish a relationship with them and we would be really grateful if that could happen and we're kind of like in the process of making it happen. But we bought everything from them. We mostly used like we thrifted some of it. We got a lot of it at outlet stores. But I don't think we thrifted any of it. I think most of it's outlet. Yeah, most of it's outlet. Because it's kind of hard to find thrifted because yeah. it's such high quality gear. But there's an outlet th- store in Castle Rock, Colorado and one in Portland that I'm aware of. But we're trying like it's I'm not just touting them because we have a relationship. We're trying to make that happen because we love their clothes so much. Yeah. So that's a very honest um endorsement yes yeah that's why we're trying to work with them those because their stuff makes a lot of sense on to books i have we didn't really read a ton of books before moving into the scamp i feel like i didn't have time yeah for sure like whenever i could sit down and read a book it was like well this time would be better spent doing something for sure and we learned quickly that with time books are really nice you can learn from them they are just really engaging and fun when you have a good story. And we started collecting a ton of ebooks on our iPads. And when I first started really reading, one thing, Naval Ravikant, if you're not familiar, he has a couple a number of interviews with Tim Ferriss, but he talked about um, reading just for enjoyment and like popping into books and getting out. Like you don't have to read a book cover to cover. And if you are reading a book and it sucks, you can stop reading that book and not feel guilty. But what I would do is I would get stuck reading a book. And then anytime I wanted to read, I would be like, well, I, I don't want to read this book that I'm reading. So then I wouldn't read at all. So what helped me is to start to like have multiple books going and treat them like channels on a television where it's like, oh, I want to read about you know nonfiction or I want to get back into that story that I was reading or whatever. And that really helped me. That and then stretching while I read was really useful too. Because then if I wasn't retaining information, it's like, well, at least I'm getting a good stretch in too. So if you don't read much and want to, those things help me a lot. Audiobooks too are so huge. It took me so long to get an Audible account. Well, it's so expensive or it feels like it is. But for the amount of time that I spend listening to audiobooks now, I, I wouldn't trade my Audible subscription. For well, and now they do. I mean, it's 
I feel like they doubled their price. It used to be something like $8 and now it's like $15 a month. But now they give you options for free books. And I have used a lot of the free books. Yeah, they actually have some really good ones. Mm-hmm. It'd be fun. I, we, we've done it in the past, talked about books, but it would be cool to, I think it'd be really fun to talk about books and music in a podcast coming up. So if that's interesting to you. And the one thing with music is that we can't play any of the music. Yeah, that sucks, huh? Yes. Um, but yeah, as far as books go, we generally were, were we always have, as, as we've lived in the scamp, we've read them on our iPads. And there are different ways that you can get like library tools, but you can also find ebooks for pretty cheap or um, find them on the internet. So that's nice. But I feel like, like my ebook library is pretty extensive. Whereas if I was collecting physical books, it's just so much harder to keep track of them. And if it, once we get our house done, I feel like we'll have a pretty extensive library. Oh yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. Is but, there's you can't replace reading a book. Yeah. I like to have. I like to see where I'm at in the book. I like. I do like to turn the pages. And. I I got a ebook or like an e-reader in the last few years, and that has been wonderful too. Because the iPad, iPad works great, and it's such a multi-purpose tool. Like I, I used my iPad for everything for a long time when we were limited on solar, especially. But um, having the e-reader, it's an e-ink display. I wouldn't get one of the color e-readers because the beauty of the e-ink is that you can read them outside and they're not reflective or anything. Mm. You can dim it down really low, and I, I've just found that to be wonderful. It's as close to reading an actual book as you can get and mine's made by Kobo so I don't have to buy them all through Amazon all my ebooks I can buy them through other sources and then just bring the epub in and read that let's jump into tools quick because now we're approaching an hour long sometimes I just feel like we could talk forever essential tools I don't know what are do you have any essential tools that you think no of? this is your department I, I like having a full set of um or I don't know. Crescent wrenches are super useful, like needle nose pliers. Clearly, um, a full set of I'm like blinking what they're called, like hexes. Your um, tools that you just bought that are all interchangeable batteries. Yeah, we went with Ryobi because they have a lot. I don't know. You could argue that Milwaukee or Dewalt or might be um, higher quality. Maybe, yeah, but. Ryobi's really kicked up their quality and their batteries, you can use their old batteries for new tools and they try to keep that. So whenever you have a stock of batteries, their tools are actually pretty inexpensive. So that's worked out great. And especially since we're not like contractors, we don't use our tools all that much. But yeah, that's been good. I'm trying to think of things for like as far as minimalist items go that I would definitely keep in the car. Uh, Roll a duct tape and uh, zip ties and a jumper box. Like I like to keep both a uh, battery jumper box so you can jump your own car and then also a set of jumper cables in case you have somebody nearby or somebody needs jumper cables. I feel like everybody should have jumper cables. Yeah, traction boards also when you're spending a lot of time in the backcountry. Like Max Tracks makes the best ones, but the cheaper versions, if you're not using them all the time, are probably fine. That's what we have a cheaper set. Beyond that, I don't know. I could talk about tools forever. Well, then maybe we should move on to technology. Yeah, maybe tools should be like its, its own, own thing. It's a space. Like a gear-oriented podcast a blog would be cool. Ca- blog post about it. I did. 
a long time ago. You know, it's in my book, so. Um, Technology. You want to start? Yes. There, as we all know, there are so, so many ways that you can just get plugged into your phone for hours and hours and hours. And something that, because we work on social media, so we get notifications constantly. Emails, messages, comments, constantly. So something that I did a long time ago is I turned off all notifications, obviously, so I never get a little bubble on the like apps. The badges, yeah. what they call them. I never, my phone never tells me when I get any social media notifications. And then it, within the last year, I've also turned off all notifications for text messages because anytime that I'd get a text and I'd see my phone light up or something, I would just automatically check it. And now... Um, I will answer my texts when I am prepared to answer texts and then I'm not bothered by them. And I, there's no urgency. If you, if there is urgency, you get a phone call, you know, and I have, that's the only thing on my phone that will send me notifications. And I feel like by doing this, it has really improved the, um, kind of distraction that my phone is, is at least when I'm not distracted by my phone, it doesn't do anything in the distance to distract me unless I get a phone call, which seems to be rare. The only notifications I have turned on are, I still have text messages turned on because I probably get less than you. And I have Patreon messages turned on. So I, it won't like alert me, but I'll get a badge. So if I'm looking in my social media folder on my phone, I'll see that I have a notification from Patreon because I try to get back to those really quick. And same with Discord. But like Instagram, I don't have Facebook on my phone. I hardly even log into Facebook ever. I just feel like it's not. It's not what it useful. used to be for people. What the only thing that is useful for it that like I haven't deleted my account is for Marketplace because mm-hmm. it's like a really I don't know more trustworthy Craigslist and easy mm-hmm. easier to search and everything. For sure, it also has all my old photos on it that yeah. I haven't gone and taken off. It's really fun to get that. Um, like memories. Yes, that's really fun. But I only have Facebook on my computer. So that's been nice. I also, on my phone, I can. I think I can just show you. I have, you can kind of see it here, but I just have one page of apps. And I group all the similar apps in folders. And I use emojis to represent like what the folder consists of. I think that kind of cleans up the like visual of it, not having so much text on your homepage. And then the apps that I like use most often and the apps that I want to encourage myself to use, I have as like a standalone icon. They're not in a folder. So like Audible, Spotify, Overcast is my podcast app, Onyx, which is the like hunting and outdoor navigation app. And then Bear is where I keep all of my writing stuff. I used things for a while to keep track of all of my uh like to-do list, but I I need to like restart with it because I got it too cluttered. So now I just use Bear as my to-do list as well. But. Deleting unused apps is something that I tend not to do on my iPad because when I download a new app for whatever reason, it then goes to my iPad through iCloud. And I will sometimes get on my iPad and just be like, oh my gosh, how, what? But I do ha- I make sure to delete apps if I have downloaded it and don't end up using it like I thought I would. Um, I always delete them. Yeah, me too. And then my I think email is one of the 
most stressful things. Yeah. So back, I don't know, a few years ago, Google sunset their inbox app, which was the best email app that I've ever used. It was called inbox. It was called inbox and it just made it so easy to, to like stay ahead of all of your emails and it grouped all your promotions and all your like emails. And then you could really make your inbox into a to-do list, which was really nice. I'm surprised somebody hasn't like swag jacked them and come up with the same thing, but I haven't found a good email app. So I've tried a bunch of them and now I just use Gmail again, but I've gotten my in, like uh, inbox to be zero. So what you can do is with Gmail, and I'm sure it's the same with most other email apps or providers, you can archive your old emails. So they're still searchable. You can still find... You're not deleting them. Right. You can still find them if you need information from them or whatever, but I archive all of my old emails and then delete the ones with big attachments and stuff so they're not taking up space. But I stay at inbox zero. And then... It took a while, and there are unsubscribe me, What's, I think, is one. But what is that? Inbox zero is when you don't have, like, any, or I, for me, it's not having any emails in my, like, inbox that aren't pertinent. That is crazy. I feel like people have thousands of emails right. in their inbox. But if, and it's easy to get rid of that, though, because you can just archive, like, um, mark the ones as important that you want to keep, and then just archive all the rest of them. And then you can still access them if you need to. They're not like gone forever, but, um, yeah, I think that's super helpful to stay like uncluttered. And then they have, uh, apps that you can sign up for or use to unsubscribe from all the different things that you've been subscribed to throughout the years. And then I'm like pretty habitual with it. If I get a newsletter or like some kind of like promotion email that I don't want, then I immediately click unsubscribe and, um, like get rid of those so I don't get very many promotional emails or like crap emails anymore. I don't know if it's true, but I saw that for all those companies who have server space to have these giant email lists for, of people, that that takes a lot of power to power those servers. So if you want to do something good for the planet, it's so weird. It, it, it's hard to kind of make sense of, but unsubscribe yourself from all these email lists. I, I guess mean, if you did pretty, it in bulk. Yeah, it's pretty. If people if people did it in bulk, yeah. everybody did it, then it might make a difference. That's kind of like one of the gripes with cryptocurrency too. That would be a fun podcast to dig into eventually. But that's a derailment. But anything else as far as like minimizing your social, or your, I don't know, social media and stuff? Uh, the inbox zero thing is the most because I, like I said, I hate clutter. So then having all that cleared out and then all of my emails that are in my inbox are ones that are like I'm working on. On Instagram, I make sure to always, I'm very constantly unfollowing accounts. I try to keep my following up um, under 350 channels because if I am seeing something that isn't really producing high quality thoughts in my brain, it just isn't worth it to have. Or if it's, uh, there's some like Jerry of the day, just snowboarding and skiing mess I like ups. Fails. That I just, that makes me, it does raise the quality of my day <laughs> for sure. But it doesn't like bring me very much intelligence, but I try to have um, a grip on that to help me spend less time on Instagram. And that maybe that seems self-explanatory, but. I don't know. I, I could be better at that too. 
I just feel bad like unfollowing people. Yeah. If they see that, then it's like, why'd you do that? And it's not anything personal. It's no, just that I'm never. trying to like clear. And I've had that conversation with people too about why don't you follow me anymore? But also there's just like I unfollowed all makeup accounts after I was kind of done with makeup because I was getting negative thoughts when I would see people doing makeup of like, why am I not doing that anymore? Have I messed up? Have I made the wrong decision? Different um, self-critical things. So I unfollowed anybody who would give me those negative thoughts and that helped me get over it and get past it and get get into new crafts. And I had to, had to unfollow all these metalsmiths because I just wanted to do it so bad years and years ago. Now had to you're unfollow. refollowing all of them. Yes, now I have this kind of weird obsession with stone, purchasing stones, and they are always selling stones. So I've, I'm going to have to take a look at that and get that under control. Oh, I just love crafting. It's so much fun. But um, we are keeping tabs on it. Yes, we're doing great. <laughs> um, if you want to talk more about minimalism or you're starting your own minimalist journey, you can pop into our Discord, and there are lots of people on there that are super helpful, and we'll be in there too. If you ever at me on Discord, I'll definitely jump in and see what's up. But And if you're listening to this on a podcast app, if you could do us a favor and give us a five-star review and tell us why you like the podcast, that would really help us out. I just saw that we are top 40 in the U.S. of um, travel podcasts. And for how many podcasts are out there, I think that that's really cool. Yeah. And on the YouTube video, it always helps, too, to hit the like button. We don't, like, smash the like button and don't forget to hit the bell. We don't say that every time because I think it's just kind of annoying. But it always helps to do that. So do that if you don't mind. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Is that all? I mean, we could talk forever. But yeah. maybe we'll continue it in the comments. If you have anything to say, leave it in the comments and Discord or on YouTube. And Yeah. Thanks cool. for watching and thanks for listening. And we'll see you guys in the next one. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us. Please give us a five-star review if you enjoyed today's podcast. For more information on this episode, head over to my website, normal2nomad.com, which is linked in the show notes. And if you want to see what we're up to, visit our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Elsa Ray.